actually he was close to a billion in, into the market. I won't say his name, was sitting at the bar having wine. And I watched him on his Blackberry and on his iPhone as he lost about $200 million within the process of a few hours. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis. Hello, and welcome to Posh Talks Podcast, where living intentional consists of high vibes and posh lifestyles. I'm your host, Tayani Tellis, and today's episode is, are you mentally and financially ready for the market correction slash great recession? Before we get started, remember this episode is sponsored by Intentional Investments. For our new listeners, welcome and thank you for tuning in to today into today's episode guys sorry our posh pass retreat is happening august 31st through september 1st 2019 come out and learn how to get crystal clear on how to scale your business we will have social media workshops brand strategy sessions affirmation and manifestation sessions and to close brunch at one of the hottest spots in Buckhead, atlanta now to get into today's episode i have a question for you when we endure the next market correction slash great recession, will you be financially and mentally ready? TMR Woodford and I will discuss how to protect your wealth and well-being during a financial crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, Mr. Woodford? How are you? I am absolutely amazing, Tayani. Thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast today. About my journey? Well, yeah. I am originally from... Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I grew up in Newark, was raised in Newark, and uh, Newark really being, I think, a bit of a, how do I say this? Newark faced riots back in the 60s that changed its economic scope. Uh, So growing up here was a little rough, uh, but coming from a single parent home, my mother did well enough to make sure I got through school uh, and I had a lot of great mentors that helped me along the way that helped to develop my leadership skills and straight out of school I got into the marketplace started working and had been consulting businesses since I was 18 years of age uh, after consulting with businesses like Bad Boy Entertainment Flavor Unit Records and the Hit Factory I then came to Atlanta Georgia in 1998 Uh, consulting with LaFace Records as a young person and uh, expanded my consulting business from there from consulting and entertainment I expanded over to consulting major fortune 500 companies uh, like Accenture Gallup and other large consulting firms unto having my own consulting company and from there expanded to being the managing partner of drive planning in Midtown where we focus on helping people navigate their financial future. That is amazing. I love it. Now, I know me and you were talking briefly, and I thought this conversation was super important because you mentioned that we are entering our next market correction, or as many know, Great Recessions. So how do you, why do you feel like it's important for people to start thinking about their finances now? Well, it's always important to think about your finances because 
If your financial picture isn't clear, pretty much the rest of your life isn't clear. Most relationships end not because of communication, but because of financial issues. Uh, most marriages end because of financial issues. And to make sure that your relationships are ironclad, to make sure that the trajectory of your life is certain, you have to make sure that you're financially secure and you're protected, not just before a market correction, but at all points in time. So this is the most important thing that people can focus on or need to focus on because without your finances being in order, there's nothing else you can really do in your life. Yeah, and I totally agree. So I know um, just going back to, I know our last, you know, recession, depression, whatever people want to call it was in 2008. Correct. So like what challenges did you face in 2008 when the market crashed? And how was that transparent wise, like financially? And then how did you recover? How were you able to recover? Wow. Uh, in 2008, I remember when the great crash happened. I actually remember the day it happened. Uh, a friend of mine and I were at my bar. I was co-owner and management in a restaurant and lounge in Midtown. And a good friend of mine who was a few hundred million into the market, actually he was close to a billion in, into the market, I won't say his name, was sitting at the bar having wine. And I watched him on his Blackberry and on his iPhone as he lost about $200 million within the process of a few hours. Wow. Yeah. So for me, not being a person at the time that knew much about stocks or the market, right. I didn't really understand how deep the situation would get. But for him, I mean, his mouth turned white, his face, he's a very dark complected gentleman, his face turned very pale and he immediately left the restaurant. Um, of course, he bounced back. He's back up into the billions as far as his net worth. But for me, it was a different story. So as an entrepreneur, I had all of my money invested in my business. Right. I had maybe six months of savings, which is what most people do. They keep about six months of savings together. And with my business partner being the financial person in the business, meaning he watched our finances and I watched operations. Uh, it was, I think the market correction began, it was that fall in, in uh, September, October. Uh, and then by the time December came, my business partner came to me and said, hey, um, unfortunately, we're going to have to close our doors as of January 1. Wow. This was about 11 days before uh, the close of our restaurant when he came to me. Um, it wasn't just because of the market that we had to close our doors, but because we had a huge problem with theft going on with our upper management internally. Um, and we didn't have any way of getting immediate recourse. And there were just some other issues. So the long story short, our doors closed. Most of my money was invested into this restaurant, which was now closed. And with the market being the way it was, although I had significant experience in business, I couldn't find a job to save my life. Uh, in fact, one of my friends who was a Harvard graduate couldn't find a job and he wound up working for uh, Starbucks as a barista just to make some money. So long story short, I couldn't find any job to make more money. Um, and of course I didn't have the finance to open up a new business. 
So I lived off my savings, which lasted until about June of that year. Um, I lost my car. I lost my place. And I lost all the furniture that was in it. Wow. <laughs> I wound up on the corner uh, in Midtown uh, one day with one suitcase with as much as I could carry with me. And I didn't have anywhere to go. That is insane so i mean even with all of that being said i know you had to be in a mental state that most people would be like okay i see death (laughs) well i'll say this i've never faced lack in my entire life with the uncertainty of how i was gonna come back right it's one thing to lose a job. Everyone's lost a job. Yeah. Everyone's been where they didn't have any money. Right. But you hustle, you find something, and you're able to come back. Right. There was no certainty of when and how I would come back from this. Right. Uh, so um, one thing that's always carried me through, though, is being positive, having mm-hmm. a positive mind, moving forward, not focusing on my circumstances but where I was going and the things that I needed to do to get there right so what I did was I had a friend of mine in Stone Mountain uh, that offered to let me stay there they didn't have a car nor did they have a means of getting me cash so I had to walk from uh, Midtown Atlanta to Stone Mountain Georgia for those that know it was it was a hike I was gonna say that's a that's a a hike it was a hike how many miles was that uh it's probably maybe 15 to 20 miles and um so i did it though you were in shape i got there yeah i had no choice but to be in shape um but i'll just be quite frank even in the time leading up to losing my place finances got really skinny and so did i with the finances (laughs) right i'm just saying i didn't have any means and just to be a little more candid um there were some nonprofits that had food. I would get food from them, but their food really wasn't enough. Right. So there were days when I was hungry. There were days when I didn't know how I was going to eat. Um, and to be even more candid, you know, sometimes we don't understand lack will change someone's whole perspective and state of mind. Yeah. Meaning you're now considering things that you may have never thought before. When you don't have any option, your mind starts to go left. And as my mind started to go left, I started to realize I couldn't go any further down than I was. I had to figure out a way forward. Uh, So what I did, I went and stayed with this friend of mine and I really hustled. I did anything that I could do to make money. I have a lot of soft skills. Um, I'm really good with finishing homes and things that I learned as a young child, meaning I can cosmetically do anything from putting up walls, painting, putting flooring in, fixtures it didn't matter I looked for everything that I could do to make money and I did until I could find just a menial job to make money consistently all right Uh, I looked up and by the end of the year uh, although I was a business owner previously making very good money Mm -hmm. I had maybe three jobs making not even half of what I was making not even a, a notable fraction of what I was making so it took hard work it took being positive and it took me really focusing on where I was going and making a new plan and re-engineering my goals and figuring out, okay, how am I going to do this? What is it going to take to do it? And busting my tail and working as hard as I could to get back on track. 
Yeah. And I mean, even with that being said, how can a person mentally prepare for something like this? Like, why do you feel like mindset is so important? Well, because whatever you're thinking is going to be what happens in your life. If you're focused on negativity, the negativity will come to your life. If you're focused on positivity, then positivity will come to your life. Now, that negativity or positivity may not be instantaneous, but it will be surely what you are physically working toward. So if you're thinking, hey, things are going to happen good, uh, things are going to pick up, then you'll keep your mind there. And then when opportunities come, you'll see those opportunities. But when you're in a negative state of mind, you don't see positivity. You don't see positive opportunity. So therefore, you can't take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves. So let's say even for a negative person that's like, hey, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay this bill. They're focusing on the fact that there is no way that they're going to pay this bill. So they're not going to pay this bill instead of thinking and calculating. All right, what are my options? What are things that I can do and focusing on doing those things so that even if all of those things don't work, some of them work. So the importance of state of mind is that is the only thing that you have sometimes to will you into a better situation. You have to focus on what it is you want, where it is you want to go, and engineering a plan that's going to get you there and focusing on the things that you can do, the short-term things, day by day, that can help you accomplish those goals and get closer to those goals. So without positivity, without encouraging yourself, without reaching out to people for help and support, you will not make it. Period. And it doesn't matter if it's a market correction. That's for everyday life. Yeah. The same things that relate to a market correction and what we can do to prepare for that are the same things that relate to everyday life. You know, you know people like that. People that just, well, I think we were talking about this earlier. They see a problem for every solution. Yeah. Some people see a solution for every problem. Right. So whatever you are focused on. Whatever you are centered on is where you're going to go. Listen to the stories of people like Tyler Perry. There wasn't a market correction going on when Tyler Perry was struggling. He just had his own market correction going on in his life. But it was his positivity that drove him forward, regardless of the circumstances and situation that he was in. Which, that means if you have to cut out certain people out of your life, do it. If you have to not listen to certain music because it's bringing you down or you need to listen to more positive music, do it. If you need to go to church or if you need to get into the circles of people who are positive and who are going to pull you in the right right direction, those are the things that you need to do. Because whatever you're thinking is what is going to be the driving force to create the byproducts in your life of what those thoughts are. So if we don't have the right state of mind, if we're not positive, if we're not constantly thinking about solutions instead of problems, if we're not constantly expanding our network and being resourceful, then we're not going to get to the place that we want to go to. Yeah, and I totally agree because I think we've had several conversations about mindset and Um, a host of other things. However, you know, one big thing I've learned is, you know, making sure that you're keeping the right people around you because 
you know, if you have a goal in mind, let's just say to just save money because you know that you want to be financially secure and you have a whole lot of people around you helping you spend your money, you have to be mindful of those type of people. And, you know, especially if you express to them like, hey, guys, I'm trying to cut back on, you know, going out, eating out. And the next text you get is, you want to meet me? You want to go here? It's like, um, you know, it's kind of counteractive to what you're trying to do so exactly you know when if someone is keeping in mind what your goals are and they're really trying to help you to get there if anything they say hey let's get some groceries come over my house or i can come over your house and let's cook right let's cook a meal matter of fact let's meal plan the next week i'll right. cook something one meal you cook another we can share meals so we don't have to eat the same thing every other day we can switch it up yeah and now you have someone that's actually working toward the same solutions as you are and funny enough, with that said, if you think back to what I said previously, if I was focused on having the right type of business partner even, mm -hmm. I would have experienced the issues that I had. But I had to experience those things for me to know, look, you have to understand where your business partners are. Right. You have to understand where their headspace is. You have to understand that it's not always business. It was some of the things that he did personally that affected us business-wise. Right. You know, part of the reason why we had the problem with our um, managers was because he had a personal relationship with them. Right. That was over some lines that were drawn. Right. And because of their comfort with him in that way, they felt comfortable enough to steal from us. Yeah. And because, I'm going to get a little scandalous, because he had a wife that was his financer in mm. that business at the time hopefully they're not listening to this because <laughs> you know like i don't care at this point but if he had stayed on par and not done the things that he would have done those girls wouldn't have been able to steal and then even if they did steal if he didn't have a personal relationship with him he would have felt comfortable going after them without thinking about the recourse of his wife finding out yeah. that he was cheating with the help yeah <laughs> Basically. And and that's a whole another whole another posh talks. Yeah, a whole another episode because but, yeah. that is important though because you have to look at people's behaviors and what they're driving for. It's like you mentioned earlier, like you mm -hmm. know, are people in business with goals to have generational wealth? Are they in business to make money? To you know, floss and be popular. Yeah, and the girls and yeah. unfortunately. Uh, for a lot of business owners, it's about being socialized. It's yeah. about some of them didn't have, I guess, good childhoods where they had friends. And, you know, he was just doing too much. But the point being, we have to protect ourselves by, number one, watching who's around us. Yeah. Sometimes the universe, God, Allah, whatever you want to call it, will isolate you. Yeah. To show you, look, you're going the wrong path because you're allowing the wrong people around you. And I can't bless you because you have the wrong influences around you. Mm -hmm. And as you grow, these influences will decimate everything that you've built. Yeah. So if I was in the right protective mind state, I would have vetted him a little better to see what are your motivations? What are the kind of relationships you have with these workers? Mm -hmm. I mean, other people knew. I had no idea. If I would have dug a little more, I would have known what was going on. Yeah. But I didn't dig. I trusted blindly. And 
that's not protecting yourself. That's yeah. like saying, okay, the government told me a 401k is the best thing, so I'm just going to do it. But you don't research the details about it, the benefits it really has for you, or the options. Mm -hmm. Because if you really research the options and the alternatives, guess what? You would have found that there were other things that you could have done that were better. But instead, because it was the government, you just trusted that it was going to be something. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah. like, this conversation is getting deep. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> you can get deeper. Let's go. Yeah, but I just want to know, like, Okay, so what should a person do now to start protecting their financial well-being? Well, obviously, I said I had six months worth of savings, and six months wasn't enough. Yeah, and okay, let's just pause right there. I just don't believe in the six-month thing, only because like six months can go by so fast. Like we're in August. August 2019. I don't know when you all are listening to this, but it's almost a new year. And I feel like we were just making New Year's resolution. Matter of fact, I didn't even know you in January. That's how fast. No, you didn't. I knew you in April. We met in April. Yes, we did. <laughs> I'm saying no, we didn't. I, I don't even remember. It seems like I've known her forever. But That's what we I'm had saying. Art, so maybe it was April. But, but yes, to my point. I just don't think six months is going to, it's going to keep you afloat for a minute. But I think after month four, you're going to start, that anxiety is going to start creeping. It does. And I know because I've known firsthand. Now, what I will say is you should be saving as much as you can. Period. Right. Period. But on top of that, saving your money in a way where that money is in a tax shelter, meaning that that money that you're spending in the future is spent tax-free. Right. So there are ways and there are systems and products out there where you can put your money, your money would be tax-free, um, your money would be creditor-protected, it would be lawsuit-protected in the case that something like this happens. Um, but more importantly, there are simple things that you can do to offset, let's say, your business expenses. There's business overhead insurance. There's extra disability insurance that you can get for yourself so that when you do get to a point where you've lost money or you're not making money, you can file a claim and you can actually have the insurance company start supplementing your income. Right. Simple things like that I wasn't aware of uh, back in 2009, uh, 2008. And those are simple things that might cost you 100, 200 bucks a month. Right. You know, which is just you not going out maybe for a week, <laughs> not going hanging out, not going on a date. That those simple things can help you get back on your feet or stay on your feet so you don't have to fall off. Right. But we don't, as a whole, we don't think about these things. We're not preparing in that way. So, no, there is no limit to how much you should save. You should save as much as you can. But you should also insure yourself so where you do not have these issues. Get the right insurance, not from one of the main companies. I would go through a private company, financial planner, someone who knows the options and who's going to show you what the best options are for you. 
get that disability insurance, get that business overhead expense insurance. So when the next market correction does happen, you're okay. Yeah. You're safe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And guys, I'm not a financial advisor, but one thing that has helped me is knowing like my bottom line when it comes to my expenses, like what is your actual lifestyle cost? Like without the cable, because that is a at it <laughs> you know people like all of our bills it's like no you can go without tv you know for i think if their tv is connected to their wi-fi they're going to disagree with you okay well okay if you need wi-fi guys how much is it going to cost minus your cable okay like you know making sure that you're cutting out the unneeded expenses like if it's not your grocery if it's not clothing you know and not new clothes because you need to go out somewhere like your socks are holy and you need a new pair of socks like necessities (laughs) (laughs) but i'm saying guys like knowing like literally gas food your bare necessities. Yes. So, and I think that the new movement with people living, especially millennials living minimalistic lifestyles. Yeah. Although some of this living in vans, turning vans into houses, hey, you do what you want to do. <laughs> it's not necessarily what I want to do, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. Because if worse comes to worse, you can survive. You yeah. don't have rent as an overhead expense. Right. You don't have rent and car notes. You might have car note, but most of these people are paying for a van. They're paying for everything in there, and they're still holding down jobs and working. So, yeah. worst to worst, they still have everything. They have shelter. They can find a forest. Go pick some <laughs> some vegetation. Go fishing. Go hunting, and they can live like seriously. But that's the, I think that's super dope, and you know, not to get off topic, however. But we just don't know how to survive anymore. And I think that's what's wrong with America because I don't think our biggest problem is our next great recession or depression, whatever is coming. Um, it's more so of our mindset and how we react. Like we're so used to consuming, you know, having the luxury of going across the street and getting food. And we don't even know how to grow our own food. Like we don't even know how to sustain living here if like if the lights went out right now, all over America, who was like in the dark, people would freak out instead of trying to figure out how to burn wood to light a fire. You know, we just don't have certain skills anymore. And it's like, it's true. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, because money is not the issue. It's us. It's Americans. Like we're spoiled. Like if you go to some of these other countries, like you said, they're living minimalistic lifestyles in the middle of nowhere happy catching fish doing their own little thing and they're living they're not worried about a recession no they're not because the market can do what it needs to do and they're still going to be able to live so with what you asked me a few questions ago yes we need to save money but living minimalistic lifestyles and also learning survival skills is something huge yeah you know um i know prestige protective services llc here in georgia owned by uh my cousin cayenne wilson uh they're now doing survivor seminars across america where they're training you to be able to survive and they have the go bags and they're teaching you how to clean your own water and 
all these different survival skills that we do need. So thankfully, you know, I do have those skills. I was a camp counselor uh, straight out of high school, literally while I was in high school, actually really before I graduated, I was training for it. So I know how to live in the wilderness. I know how to buy yeah, the vegetables and food that I need. Well, you're welcome to come. We can go up the trail. <laughs> but no, so the point is we do need those skills. We do need to not be so uh, attached to a system that's providing food for us. Because like you said, if the lights go off, eventually all the food is going to spoil. Right. So we won't have any choice but to eat live food right meaning you're hunting right meaning a lot of people may not look at their pets the same anymore i was gonna say it's gonna be a lot of vegans i'm just saying (laughs) either that or they're going to be looking at food so you have to learn how to hunt you have to learn how to pick your food you have to learn how to distill your water and these things or filter your water these things are actually very easy to do it's just that we haven't made a habit of doing those things and why don't they teach us this in school well you know it's not part of our base curriculum because it does not hold up the infrastructure of America. Right. America's financial infrastructure is held by or held up and maintained by us going out and working jobs within the system right. and maintaining uh, the lifestyle of those who are buying the things that we are working to put together. But at the end of the day, it's no one's responsibility but our own. It's our responsibility. It's our parents' responsibility. It's our responsibility for our children to learn these skills Mm -hmm. and to pass them down generation to generation. You're right. So if they just want to teach you industrial engineering, electrical engineering, mathematics, and things that are relative toward uh, living or working a job within the corporate structure of America, that's their prerogative. But it's not the government's job to teach us things like that. Yeah. yeah. We gotta teach ourselves. You're right. We have to put ourselves in situations where we can experience those things. As a camp counselor for the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club, that was one of the most fun jobs I've had in my life. Yeah. And I learned so much. So worst come to worst, I could walk straight into the woods and live. I would not die, I would not perish. I know how to build my own shelters. I know how to build my own fires. I know how to hunt. I know how to tell when a lightning storm is coming. I know how to tell from the rolling of the thunder how far the lightning storm or the the storm is from where we are. These are things that we need to learn anyway. But I don't think it's enough conversations about them. And, you know, I know you say it's not our responsibility, but a lot of people, like, we need to, to have more conversations like this because we're always talking about, you know, what's in the realm of society and the norm. We don't talk about things that counteract like what's going on. Okay, so worst case scenario, what would we do as a whole? How would we, you know, how would we all still survive? How would we live? Like what 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 would happen to us if we decided, okay, we have no money collectively as a country. Now what? <laughs> We don't have conversations like we don't we talk about and it's good that we're talking about finances because I mean we're in the 21st century are we in the 21st century yeah yes we are okay okay yeah guys clearly (laughs) but yes we're in the 21st century so we live you know for nice lifestyles nice things money you know whatever however also again agriculture like 
why don't we talk about, you know, how we can start farming and creating our own foods. You know, we complain about food and, you know, what they're putting inside of our own foods, yet our actions are none. Like, we don't even try to start um, growing our own stuff. Like, we still depend on them to give us good food. You get what I'm saying? So, I I don't, you know, I think it's more conversations are needed to be fostered, I guess, around these different things because there's a lot of things out here like tower houses where you can grow your own food. It doesn't have to be a full-fledged garden anymore. I mean, you can really grow food in your house. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a tower garden. Like, literally, it grows it from, like, this little tower inside, outside. Oh, okay. Never heard of that. Yeah. And there have obviously been ways that we can grow food. People find excuses to be dependent on others. Yeah. Instead of being independent. So, I think that it's going to take for Americans to truly live independently. Right. You know? And for those that live in the country, uh, in the more rural areas of America, they have more of an opportunity than they'll than those that live in the city. In the city, there's not as much land. There are ordinances that prevent you from growing food. There's all sorts of things. I know in the city of Atlanta, you can't really grow food. No. Like they have laws that prohibit you from growing food in your own backyard. Yeah, but you can grow it in a tower house in your house. You have me wanting to Google what this tower yeah, house is. Yeah, Google it. And for those who are listening, you know, Google a tower. T- it's a tower house. A planting tower house and literally guys I'm gonna go get a promotion from them y'all start buying these tower houses I'm gonna be like listen <laughs> I put them on oh wow I'm seeing this neutral child vertical indoor yeah tower planting house is $129 as expensive as $1500 dope right yeah, it is dope, and it looks like looks like a really good thing. I might need to invest in a tower house. That is nice. Yeah, but listen. So I mean, even with that being said, yeah, you need to get one. Yeah, but even with that being said, um, I did have a question. Like, do you believe in savings accounts? Because I just recently learned that savings accounts are what banks use. To invest in cryptocurrency, forex, the things that we should be doing with our own money. Well, what do you think they're holding your money for? You think they're just holding it just because? But listen, wouldn't that be freaking crazy? Isn't it freaking crazy? Okay, let's just have a conversation real quick. No, it's not crazy. You want them to hold your money for you for that little 1% that you're going to make off that money and then they're able to leverage your money. If they're able to give you 1%, you don't think that they're making investments on their own in order to give you the 1%? They have to be growing it in some way in order to give you money. So to answer your question, I do not believe in savings accounts. I do believe, however, in interest-bearing accounts that are not operated by banking institutions that earn uninterrupted compounded interest. Right. And those type of accounts would yield more upward of 10% yearly as opposed to 1% yearly. Those type of accounts are tax-free oftentimes, creditor protected, uh, lawsuit protected, all that, and that makes more sense. 
You want your money to have the highest earning potential. So no, I say put your money somewhere where it's gonna earn double digit returns. If it's not, putting it into a bank is not the best option. You can still find someplace better to put your money in a solar energy investment with our firm at Drive Planning, you can do it. Uh, there are so many ways to do it, but there's no real way of knowing until you really look at your financial picture as a whole. Right. Um, you have to really take a look at what your personal economic model looks like, everything going on in your life. And then that's where financially you can see, all right, this is the best option for you. But I can guarantee you one thing, putting your money in the bank is not the best option for you. Yeah. Especially not Wells Fargo. Yeah. Uh, Well, glad I don't have any promotions from Wells Fargo. (laughs) But I mean, I get it because I only mentioned that because the thing I want people to understand, I thought this was super important. um, This podcast is like, do whatever you want to do with your money. But know that you have options because why would you put your money in a savings account to let somebody else invest, take your money to invest in all of these different forex, cryptocurrency, you know, whatever, stocks, all of these different things that they invest in, real estate, risk, all of that. And then you can, but you can do the same thing with your own money. Why are you giving somebody else you know, it's basically like, hey, here's $200. Do what you want to do with it. Go make a million dollars off of this and make sure you keep my $200. <laughs> Give me my $200 back when you're done. Plus your like, 1% a year. Yeah. and um, Well, that's one thing we do with Drive. We show people how to take their money, put it in the right interest-bearing accounts that fit them where they can earn upward of 10% a year, double-digit returns, probably more. Um, but there is no risk there. You can actually earn off of the market without taking risk, putting your money directly into the stock market. You yeah. have to protect your money. If you're not one, protecting your finances, making sure that it's not being eaten up by taxes, making sure that it's not liable to all be lost by the market, then you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. And I mean, and then it gets crazier. It gets crazier though. Mm-hmm. Listen, then... You overdraw your account, and it's like they're basically saying, how dare you not have money in your account for us to invest? We're going to charge you $30. That's right. I feel like that's what they're saying. Once you really put it in perspective because you're thinking, oh, I'm getting overdraft. But it's like because you're putting them at risk because they're already risking your money. That's right. They're going to charge you. So, guys, just, I mean... Get out here and get educated about your finances. Come see Mr. Woodford at Drive Planning. Um, he'll get you right. I'm not a financial advisor. I just, you know, drop my little gems every now and then. <laughs> yes, and I'm TMR Woodford. You can always contact me directly by emailing Michael. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Woodford, W-O-O-D-F-O-R-D at Drive planning.com and of course follow me on Instagram at I am TMRW okay so I have one other question you know I had to throw that out there first I know okay go ahead (laughs) so last question what is the worst thing you see happening for those who are not in the best situation financially the worst yeah. 
Skid Row. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to talk about the worst, this is one thing. If you want to find out what is the most realistic thing that might happen, you look at the best uh, possibility, then you look at the worst, and then you look what's in between both of those, and then you find what's most likely going to happen. Yeah. The best case scenario is the market corrects and nothing happens at all. People go about with their normal lives. Right. The worst case scenario is Skid Row. Um, I mean, even down to a national emergency. Uh, most of the businesses closed. Yeah. People are rioting. Yeah. Um, martial law. If you want to go to the worst <laughs> case scenario, the worst case scenario could be awful. Yeah. But that's not really the most likely thing to happen so somewhere there in the middle is some people go on with their regular lives some people suffer a lot of people lose their homes people are displaced but eventually the market and the economy rebound right so the worst case scenario is just <laughs> awful so we won't look there but the right. most likely thing to happen is there like last time is going to be a lot of people affected yeah unfortunately this time is going to be worse than last time so just like i was on the corner of 7th street with a bag mm -hmm. and didn't know where i was going for me there's probably going to be three times more people in that same situation yeah the crime rate went up you know um the job market did not rebound it took a while for it to rebound maybe even a year so with that said the best way for us to avert this is by insuring ourselves, making sure that we do have disability insurance, making sure that if we're business owners, we do have business overhead expense insurance, making sure that we are liquid, making sure that our money is not sitting in homes or places where it could actually you know, go down in value. Take out the money in those homes. Keep as much liquid cash available as you can and invest in places where there are guarantees. Put your money in tax shelters because at a time like that, you're definitely not gonna wanna pay taxes on money, which the taxes may go up at that time. Yeah. You know, so you definitely wanna pay a bunch of taxes on money uh, that you need to live off of and you don't know where your next is coming from. Definitely. So worst case scenario is that we don't listen to the warnings and that we don't look for solutions and we stay in this state of mind where we're all on permanent vacation, meaning we're not focused on really building a life, building a legacy, protecting our life legacy and our finances. We're more focused on spending, partying, being social, the yeah. whole dating game and wasting money doing things that just don't matter. Yeah, definitely. And I, I totally agree. Um, because we, the thing about, you know, this podcast, I really don't feel right not sharing knowledge or, you know, inviting people on to share their knowledge because there are options. There and, are options. you know, if you're listening to this, you can't say that you didn't know. No, you and can't. It's, it's, I think it's time for us to really start taking our 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 lives seriously, our wealth seriously. You know, we all screaming we want generational wealth. But it's like, what did your habits say? Well, actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah, like literally look at your blue, like you, your day-to-day your -day is your blueprint. Absolutely. It tells you what you do with money. You know, if you're like, oh, I want to save and I want to be wealthy. 
what does your account look like? <laughs> yeah, and get the education. And with that said, um, definitely get in contact with me here in Atlanta. We're going to be having educational seminars on cleaning and building credit, as well as protecting your finances twice a month starting in September. You definitely want to be in the room. There is a cost, but there's a minimal cost to get in the room to get real knowledge that you can apply immediately, clearing your credit, um, building your credit so that right. you can have access to more money and being able to secure your finances so that you're not killed with taxes. Yeah. You know, so these are some of the things that we have to do to prepare and stay prepared for anything that may come, whether it's a market correction or a market boom. If the market is booming and you're making tons of money, you still want to protect your money and monitor your spending so that you can grow your wealth appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, I really love this episode, guys. And we'll do a part two because we could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. That's all we do. So, um, as always, Mr. Whitford, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, you have been so motivating. So motivating, guys. You know, we have this relationship, and it's it's one that needs to be tamed at times because he's crazy. <laughs> no, but I love him, and he's he's very, very, very educated, guys. So all of his information will be in the show notes. Remember to subscribe to www.intentionallypods for upcoming episodes. If you know anyone who can benefit from this podcast, please pass this episode along. The more people that you send our way, it helps build our community and our platform, and we're able to keep providing you with valuable content and episodes. Also, do not forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you and it helps us grow as a brand. Again, our Posh Pads retreat is happening August 31st through September 1st. Come out and learn how to get crystal clear on how to scale your business. We will have social media workshops, brand strategy sessions, affirmation and manifestation sessions. And to close, brunch at one of the hottest spots in downtown Atlanta. Lastly, our 90-day dream course is now live. Sign up to receive private intense coaching as well as 24-7 support. You will learn how to ditch the worker's mentality, the keys to running your business like a CEO, social media strategies, and lastly, when to scale, how to sell and grow. We thank you again for listening. And until next time, have a high vibe, intentional week. Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high vibe intentional week.